Today on Bible Conversations, we're going to be answering the question, Once saved, always saved? Welcome back to Bible Conversations. Uh, We're excited to get going and and continuing this study of now that you're a Christian. I believe that's what we've been calling it, right? Now that you're a Christian? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what we've been calling it. I shouldn't know by now, honestly. Yeah, but I mean, we go through different episodes. We did a holiday special. We had Thanksgiving. We've slept. Yeah. If you missed last week's episode, uh, we did a a quick little holiday special for Thanksgiving. Uh, Go back and check that one out. That was a a fun episode. But today, we are continuing the now that you're a Christian. Yes. Study. Um, and we're going to be answering the question once I'm saved, am I always saved? Yeah. And um, so I'm going to let you read something here, real quick. I know you. this is something you've been studying with the teens. Obviously, this whole series, this whole yes. study is one that we do with our. Um, Young Christians, mm-hmm. the the folks that just decide to put Christ on in baptism, they are literally babes in Christ. Yes. Um, and so it's the, now that you're a Christian, yeah. um, here's what you need to know. Yes. You know. Well, and so the this I actually haven't been able to talk with the teens about yet. So ah, that's actually, so this is a pre... Yeah, uh, so this is, this is like, going to be the next study in the line of studies. This is like practice for you. Yeah, it's <laughs> practice for me. Um, we'll go with that. But um, yeah, so I went online and I just typed in, you know, once saved, always saved. And yeah. just wanted to see what popped up. Yeah. And there's a website, gotquestions.org. I'm sure mm. you've heard of it, right? Have, it's yeah. not – I don't know that it's where I go for very many things, if anything at all. If anything, yeah. But I'm sure that there are people that will go there, right? So, And the website has got questions, right? So I'm sure that there are a pl- there are plenty of things on this website that deal with not just scripture, right? Not, But, mm-hmm. but anything. And so I went here, just wanted to see what – what is the internet putting out there? What is available, right? What yeah. What are people able to when read? When people have questions, what are they finding? Yeah, what are they finding, right? Yeah, got questions. <laughs> exactly. And so this is this is the and it goes in a couple paragraphs, right? So I'll, I'll read through the paragraph and then we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah. Because I think we need to break it down bit by bit. Yeah. It's just um, it's just a lot. So once a person is saved, are they always saved? Yes. When people and come you're to quoting them, this, this right? yeah, I'm quoting this. I this yeah. Let me let me start with that. Yeah, I am I am quoting this. This is from the website. This is not my opinion, and we'll get to that very quickly. What my belief is, not opinion. Sorry. So, quote: Once a person is saved, are they always saved? Yes. When people come to know Christ as their Savior, they are brought into a relationship with God that guarantees their salvation as eternally secure. To be clear, salvation is more than saying a prayer or making a decision for Christ. Salvation is a sovereign act of God, whereby an unregenerate sinner is washed, renewed, and born again by the Holy Spirit. They reference John 3.3 and Titus 3.5 here. When salvation occurs, God gives the forgiven sinner a new heart and puts a new spirit within him. They reference here an Old Testament passage from Ezekiel 36.26. The spirit will cause the saved person to walk in obedience to God's word. Numerous passages of Scripture declare the fact that, as an act of God, salvation is secure. All right, so I'm going to open up with mm-hmm. the very first thing. Sorry, end quote. I'm going to open up with the very first thing. <laughs> Once a person is saved, are they always saved? No. That that cannot be the case. Yeah. Well, here's my question. Do you want to talk about this logically or scripturally first? I think I think we need to break it down logically. Okay. Um, because it just... It doesn't make sense. And once we understand logically what's going on, we can yeah. look at the Word of God and say, okay, 
well, that is logical and that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so once a person is saved, are they always saved? Well, let's go through this logically. Let's say that – so I was baptized eight years ago, mm-hmm. all right? So let's say I was I was baptized and I – at that point, I put on Christ in baptism. Let's also assume that they understand what it is to be saved. Yes. Right? We'll just go with yeah. that because they do mention that it's not a prayer, right? So therefore, sinner's prayer, Yeah. You, even they believe that sinner's prayer is not a thing. Can't just pray Christ into your No, it doesn't. Yeah. That doesn't work. So – that's literally nowhere in the Bible. Yeah. So not not a place. So having that out <laughs> of the way. We don't need to talk about that long. <laughs> no. So having that out of the way, right? We've got we've got the idea. So I was baptized into Christ. I was saved. Now let's say for the next eight years, up until today, mm-hmm. I've been at strip clubs and I've been drinking and I've yeah. been promiscuous and I've cheated on my wife and I've done all these terrible, awful things. Yeah. Am I still saved? I no. There's yeah. no way. How in the world is God going to accept me as a child of his yeah. when I am actively participating in sin after I have accepted God's gift and God's grace? Like yeah. that, that doesn't so, make sense. So two comments on that. Um, first of all, I agree with you. If we have free will, which yeah. we do, mm-hmm. and we choose to turn our backs on God, yeah. then God is not going to pick us up by the head and turn us around and, and make us face him. Correct. Yes. Because he has choice. given us free will. Yeah. And we had a, a really good podcast. Um, whew, what was that? Six months ago or so with Kirk brothers talking about yes. the nature of God mm-hmm. and uh, to fully understand the nature of God takes the hour long podcast that it, we okay. had with Kirk brothers. It may but, have been longer than six months. Um, but it's already December. Um, wow. Yeah. It may have been longer ago than that. But, um, <laughs> but in talking about the nature of God, um, just real quick summarization. Um, part of God's nature is love. And what does love do? Love creates. Just as a husband and wife create children yeah. so that they can show their love to those children as well. Um, so what did God do? He created. And true love does not create robots that are forced to love him back. True yep. love creates things that choose to love. Yes. I.e., free will, we either choose to love God back or we choose not to. Exactly. And so um, with that free will, if we have chosen to turn our backs on God, yep. then he is not going to pick us up and turn us around to face him again uh, or bring us back in. It's the prodigal son. The son chose to go away. Yeah. Was that son, while he was eating with the pigs, saved? Absolutely not. Did that son choose to come back or did the father go and pick up the son and drag him back? No, the son chose to go back. Yeah, has to be his choice. Exactly. So um, that was the first thought. Um, I do want to play a little devil's advocate for you, though. Go for it. Um, because one thing that I always hear in regards to this is, you know, if you were baptized into Christ and uh, then you went out to strip clubs and were promiscuous for eight years after that, yeah. um, then the argument is, well, you must have never had Christ in the first place. Yeah. And that just... I I really hate that kind of argument because one, it's kind of just like a cop out. It's it's just a it's a huge cop out. Yeah, it's a huge cop out. But also, it's a who are you to say if someone did the exact same thing as you did to be saved? Yeah. Um, heard the good news, believed that good news, yeah. and made the decision to turn their life around, repent, change their mind, yeah. be baptized into Christ, be born to a new life. Who are you to judge? Who are you to say nope, that wasn't real? Yeah, like they they did not mean it. Well, and it doesn't sound like you're playing devil's advocate, but um, 
kind of agreeing <laughs> with me. I like that. Um, but well, so, I'm just saying that that's like the – That is an argument that is yeah, presented. I brought it up and then I answered it, but yeah. anyways. No, it's okay. No, it's, it's an argument that's presented and it doesn't – it doesn't hold much weight. It doesn't no, hold much water. It doesn't. Um, the idea that, well, they just never knew God. Well, how do you know who knows God? Yeah. How All you know is whether or not you know God. Exactly. We don't know each other's hearts, yeah. right? Like for – for all I know, Dylan, and I don't believe this for a split second, yeah. you could be a sinful, terrible, awful person. Promiscuous. You I, could. I be. like using that word yeah. since you brought it up. Well, thank. I, you know, I try to bring up three dollar <laughs> words. So, but, but no, I don't believe that for a second, right? Yeah. But I also don't know your heart. Yeah. I think I do, right? Like I, I have a feeling of what your heart is like, and I understand yeah. who you are. But and, you cannot see into the heart of an individual the way Christ could, or the exactly. way that, that God does. And that's exactly. one thing that we get from Hebrews that God's word is a double edged sword. Yeah. It can pierce between the bone and the marrow. It, it knows your heart. Vision of soul. God knows what is in your heart. Exactly. Um, we cannot look into each other's hearts in exactly. that same way. So, so I think that I think all of those things, right? Logically, just it doesn't add up that once you are saved, you are always saved. Yeah. Because, man, God has given us very clear instructions. Yeah. Of what we are to do. Yeah. And how we are to live. And the Israelites, right? They were they were given a a commandment by God, right? The the Ten Commandments as well as all 613 of them, right? Mm-hmm. And they were told, if you follow these, you are good. Yeah. Well, when they followed them, they did well. Yeah. And God blessed them. When they didn't follow them, Nebuchadnezzar came and beat them all up and put yeah. them in captivity well, for 70 years. Look at the book of Judges. It's yeah. a continual cycle throughout that book. Yeah. Um, so it's it, it just the idea that that once we're saved, we are always saved just doesn't make sense. And then the idea, like you mentioned, right, that that God forgives, God gives, this is the, the quote from there, right, uh, for, gives the forgiven sinner a new heart and puts a new spirit within him. The spirit will cause the saved person to walk in obedience to God's word. Well, that then no longer becomes the person's choice. Mm-hmm. And that just, again, goes back to the idea of free will, right? God loves us enough that he's giving us the option to choose. Yeah. And he wants us to choose him. He wants us to choose him. And if something is causing us to do something, right, it's forcing. And, and that's kind of the verbiage there, right? Is it yeah. the spirit will force the saved person, right? Will cause the saved person. It's, it is the spirit acting on behalf of the person rather so than. What, what are you through. quoting from again? Because I think I pulled this up online as well yeah. to follow so along it's, as you're reading. So it's right before their Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27, and James 2 through 26 reference. Oh, the spirit will. Yeah, I see. I yeah. see where you're at. Spirit will cause uh, the safe will cause the safe person to walk in obedience to God's word. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's the thing. The like God doesn't force us. Yeah, to, and that and that's the way it it reads. Yeah, right. Well, because God doesn't force us, because He gives us the option, it is our choice. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and we've talked about the spirit before. How the spirit is a guide. Um, I fully believe the spirit is within me just as it is within every believer dwelling within. But um, it's not like the spirit causes me and and chooses things for me. Um, It's so hard to put into words, but it is. um, It's not a feeling. It's not a, like, it's not a warm, fuzzy thing, right? Like it's not, the spirit is there. And really, at least in my mind, in part, right. It's there as a testament for God to see, 
Yeah. Right? That God will know if his spirit is within us because of how we are living our lives, because of how we are choosing to live our lives, yeah. not because of how the spirit is choosing to live our lives for us. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, so so there's that. So that first little section, there, there are some things that I do agree with, right? To be clear, salvation is more than saying a prayer or making yeah. a decision for Christ. I agree with that. I think it is much more than that. I think it's a yeah. daily well, lifestyle. And and even the, the statement, when people come to know Christ as their Savior, they're brought into a relationship with God that guarantees their salvation as eternally secure. I, I genuinely believe that yeah. um, salvation is eternal. Yes. And that uh, salvation is... Um, uh, you know, you, you're brought into that relationship. Um, yeah. It's the part that they're arguing that you cannot lose that no matter what happens. Yeah. Uh, or or that, like, nobody can take that away from you thing. Yes. Well, and um, it's important also to understand what the eternally is referencing there. It's yeah. not referencing an eternal promise that we are saved. Yeah. It's referencing the eternal salvation, right? Yeah. If you have – if you obtain it, right? And, and Paul mentions this in uh, Philippians 2. 312, right? Yeah. Not that not I that have I've already obtained, obtained this, yeah. but I press on. Yeah. Paul, yeah. not that I have obtained this, right? Yeah. He understands. He could lose it. He doesn't want to be disqualified from the race, Yeah, right? You want to continually press on. Well, and this brings up another point from the logical standpoint is yeah. why did Paul write all of these letters to the church in the first century about how to live their life as Christians? Paul really liked if, to spend a lot of money on if paper. If the spirit was going to... Just take care of it. To cause them to live their life right yeah. after they had become a Christian. Well, and because Paul went to Ephesus, Galatia, uh, Corinth, yeah. taught all of these people who Christ was. Yeah. Be- they became Christians, were baptized into Christ. And he could have just said, if if once saved, always saved, argument is real. Yeah. He could have just said, all right, you're good now. I'm going to go to somewhere else, somewhere else, to Rome, to, well, and, to and, Spain, and to the about, barbarians up north. Yeah. You know, he, he could have gone anywhere else because they would have been good. But instead, he, he made kept writing letters and he kept making trips. Yeah, he went he, back to Jerusalem. Then he made a second missionary journey yeah. around and continued to write letters. And when um, you think about today, right? So we've got, we have different churches that will ask people to come forward and they'll say that sinner's prayer, whatever that is, right? Yeah. They accept Jesus into their hearts. And then maybe they have like one baptism Sunday a year, whatever that means yeah. as well, right? And then you've got the idea that they are always saved. Once they've done that, they're always saved. Well, man, if I'm always – like if I am saved for the rest of my life, dude, there's some things that I'm going to probably want to go do. Yeah. Right? Now, as I have lived as a Christian longer, I don't want to do very many of those things, Right? But when you're first a Christian and you're just understanding what it is to be a Christian, man, sin is right at the door. Satan is yeah. tempting you. When Satan is still yeah. coming after you. Yeah. Like well, there's... well, he comes after us our whole lives. But, yes. But when you are a, a Those things new seem, Christian... They seem so much more appealing. Yeah. They should, right? Like as, as we grow in Christ, certain things just become unappealing. Yeah. To where other people... Like alcohol, for instance, right? Yeah. I have less than zero desire to drink alcohol. Yeah. And most of the people my age, right? Kids that I went to high school with, all of that stuff, man, they're they they love it. Desiring to go out and drink on the weekends. Yeah. yeah. Like it's it, it's it's crazy. And even those that, you know, they have kids, I just want a glass of wine or I just you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's and I have no desire for that. And I will never have a desire for that. Even if and and this is this is my opinion, right? And I have other reasons. But even if I somehow fall away from Christ, I'm not going to have a desire for that. Yeah. Because I have been so rooted 
in Christ and the things that are sinful I don't want to participate in. Yeah. But as a new Christian, as someone who doesn't fully understand everything, right? Because you don't have to understand everything to get baptized, Mm -hmm. but you have to understand what God has done for you. Yeah. And when you understand that, but you don't understand everything yet, not that I do, I have a lot of room to grow, but man, you want to do things. You want to... You want to do things that shouldn't do that are sinful. And if you're always saved, what's going to stop you from doing that? So I'll give you an example. Um, mm, trying to figure out how how specific I want to be. So I know somebody um, who grew up um, in the church. They were there every time the doors were open, whether it's Sunday morning Bible class, Sunday morning worship, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, uh attending Bible studies, devotionals with the youth group, you name it, literally everything. Yeah. Um, Wanted to be a preacher and then um, grows up, graduates college, moves off and has other influences in his life. Mm. Other people. Um, This guy's now an atheist. Mm. I really, really think that, just because uh, it's hard when you're telling stories and you don't know how specific you should be because yeah. you really don't know who's listening to this. Um, it it does not matter. I, I can't phrase it that way either. <laughs> well, all um, of the things I'll, – I'll try and help because I have no idea who you're talking about. Okay. All the things that happened in his past yeah. are irrelevant at this point. Yeah. Because he now no longer believes. Exactly. And that is an – that's a big deal, right? So yeah. because he no longer believes, right, I'm assuming he was baptized. Yeah. So he was baptized, let's say, 16, right? Now he's yeah. 24 or whatever, right? Yeah. Well, is he still saved? Is he allowed to be an atheist and still be saved? Is that something that we are okay with? Yeah. Is that something that we're promoting with this once saved, always saved? Like how how far does this go? Mm-hmm. Um, because that – I mean, that's pretty terrifying, to yeah. think that that there is no sacrifice within Christianity. Yeah. Because that is the premise of Christianity. Yeah. So I do want to bring up a verse that I think will <clears throat> help to kind of solidify what we've been talking about so far. It comes from Romans chapter six, verses one and two. And this is Paul writing to the, the church or yeah, Paul writing to the church in Rome. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? I'm going to keep going because it's just too good. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Well, that newness of life means you are no longer sinning. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's just... The biggest issue that I have with this once saved, always saved is once you're saved, you can do whatever you want because you're always saved. And yeah. I just that's the that's the scariest thought. Shall you continue in sin? <clears throat> of course not. Yeah, by no means. Yeah. Um uh, do you want to go ahead and read the, the next part of that the article we're yeah. using? Yeah. Because um, yeah. I, I had some more thoughts on that next paragraph. Yeah, I'll, I'll actually we should be able to do the next two because they're very similar. Both from Romans 8.30. Okay. Romans chapter 8. So the first one, Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 30, declares, And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. 
This verse tells us, this is again quoting from the the website, Mm -hmm. this verse tells us that from the moment God chooses us, it is as if we are glorified in his presence in heaven. There is nothing that can prevent a believer from one day being glorified because God has already purposed it in heaven. Once a person is justified, his salvation is guaranteed. He is as secure as if he had already glorified in heaven, as if he is already glorified in heaven. So that's the that's the first paragraph. The second one goes on and it says, Paul asks two crucial questions in Romans 8, 33 and 34. <clears throat> who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? No one will, because Christ is our advocate. Who will condemn us? No one will, because Christ, the one who died for us, is the one who condemns. We have both the advocate and judge as our Savior. So um, a few things to unpack there. Yeah. Um, it's really, <laughs> it's a misunderstanding of Romans 8, like the, the tail end of Romans chapter 8. Yeah. Um, this u- this verse is used a lot of times for people to say, uh, God has, has decided ahead of time who's going to be saved and who's not. He is um, essentially like like preparing heaven for yeah. those who are going to be saved and yeah. and he knows who who's not going to be saved and um and they're using that that word predestined as yeah. um as it's the, the already been appointed yeah already been decided who's going to be saved and who's not um the the thing that people miss there is I'm like god is not part of this timeline like yeah. it's not like god is sitting here right now and has said i have decided what's going to happen in the future instead he's saying i know what's going to happen yeah because the way that we look at it is that god is not causing things to happen instead he's knowing what's going to happen yeah so a really good way to describe it is like a a fluorescent light bulb you know like those big long tubes in office buildings basically yeah and Basically, it's like God is outside the tube. The tube's the timeline, by the way. (laughs) God's outside of that. We're at a specific point on that. And God is looking at everything happening at the same time. Yeah. Even though for us, it feels like forever. Like it feels like like things are are taking forever to take place. But God is looking outside of the timeline, knowing what's happening at the beginning, what's happening at the end, and knowing what's happening right now where we are at. And he's trying to explain to somebody in the present what's happening in the future. And he's not saying that he has decided for those in the present who's going to be saved, but instead he's telling them, I am all-knowing. I know what's going to happen uh, in the future. Not that I have decided because – like we talked about before, he's given like us free, free will. Um, so, but instead, he just knows. Yeah. So the way I like to think about it, and this is so. Anytime I tell anybody this, I, I let people know this is how I view it. Yeah. Right. We don't have one to understand this fully. I don't know that we're going to ever be able to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Th- this, well, and this, for everybody listening, I want to say it'd probably make a whole lot more sense to you my analogy if you could see me right now because I talk with my hands. Yeah, he is so. using his hands quite a bit. <laughs> Um, surprised he hasn't knocked over the mic, but I know I'm trying to do better about that. <laughs> but, um, but no, so the way I like to think of it is because we have free will, right? 
when I wake up in the morning, right, there's, there's a couple things that I can do. I have choices that I can make. Mm-hmm. I can go back to sleep. I can snooze my alarm, which is typically what I do. I can get up, right? I can get up, brush my teeth, take a shower, whatever, and then go back to bed. Right? Like I, the, the number of possibilities is almost endless. Yeah. God is aware of what every single potential outcome of that choice is. Yeah. So if I choose to get up, he knows what will happen from there. If, yeah, if I choose to go back to sleep, he knows what's going to happen from there, right? Yeah. Every choice that we make is a series of unselected choices. Yes. God is aware of what every single choice could possibly lead to. Yeah. So therefore, right, if we choose to get baptized, he knows what's going to happen on that trajectory. If we choose not to get baptized, he knows what's going to happen. If we choose to get baptized and then remain faithful, he knows what's going to happen, right? And all of those choices all all add up, right? They're all a part of who we could be because mm-hmm. we have that agency. We have the choice to decide if we're going to be saved, decide if we're not going to be saved, decide yeah. if we're going to get out of bed, if we're not. God is aware of every single potential outcome that there possibly is. He knows. Yeah. He He understands all of it. But he is letting us decide what our choices are. So that's kind of how I like to view it is, is not so much – he knows exactly what's going to happen because it's already been set in stone, right? He knows what could happen because he knows all of the options that are going to happen yeah. because it's still our choice to make. Does that, yeah. does that make sense? Kind of. Um, I just, I, I kind of want to clarify what you're saying though. So, okay. um, it's, so it's a difficult, no, <laughs> it's taken me a long time to come to yeah. my understanding. Of so this. you're saying that God knows all of the potential outcomes, but there's only one true outcome. Like my mind's going to Doctor yes. Strange and exactly. Uh, so so in there's Infinity only War. yeah. There's only one possible outcome, right? Yeah. And that's a, that's a good example of that, right? Yeah. So there's only one outcome that will happen because we live one life. Yeah. And it, it is once we make a choice, that choice is made. We can't go back yes. in time to fix that choice. Yeah. Right? There's only one possible outcome. That's there's going only to one happen. possible outcome that's going to happen. Yeah. But there are an infinite number of possibilities of outcomes. Okay. So. Does God know which outcome is going to happen or does he just know see, all of the infinite? See, that's something that, that I struggle with. Okay. <laughs> because – so here – and here's why I struggle with it. And we're, we're getting a little bit on the deep end here and away from the topic, but that's okay. Yeah. The reason I struggle with that is if God knows what the outcome is, then is it not already decided for us? No. So, but, but understand my question though, right? Yeah. It, Trying to rationalize that. Okay, yeah. So, no, I, I understand your question, yeah. and it kind of seems like it is. Yes. I would go from the standpoint of, no, it's not, because yeah. it all, all it really boils down for me is yeah. I'm like, just because God knows what's going to happen yeah. doesn't mean it's been decided for me, because I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's fair. I um, and, and the reason I go from that standpoint is, yeah. how else would... Um, the prophets been able to prophesy about, prophesy about Christ unless yeah. God knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Not well, that that's... he knew the possibilities that, you know, Mary and Joseph could flee down to Egypt. Mary and Joseph could go to Bethlehem. Like that, that's one of the many options. Well, then you've got, like, then you got the story of Esther, right? And Mordecai yeah. telling Esther, well, if, if you don't do this, salvation will arise from somebody else at a different time. Yeah. Right. So, I hear what you're saying, and I that's the one part of all of this that I still have not fully yeah. grasped yet. It's very possible that yeah. that God is 100% aware of exactly what's going to happen. To me, that just feels like the decision's already been made. And I know that that's not necessarily yeah. the case, Yeah, but internally, 
it's still no, and I, I totally get that that it yeah. feels like it's been made yeah. i guess um just in my mind i've been able to wrap it around the just because god knows what's going to happen doesn't mean i know what's going to happen i could turn right um or left yeah god knows what i'm going to do but that doesn't mean that the decision's been made for me because yeah i still have a 50 50 shot of whether i'm turning right or left yeah and that's um, fair i guess you know thinking about it that way you watch a little toddler try and get up and walk you know that he's gonna fall right mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that he's trying to fall it doesn't mean that it's already set in stone he exactly. could not fall but yeah. so anyway all of that to say right um the idea there is is we have a choice and the idea of predestination is not something that you know, Calvin's predestination, right, where everything is already decided for us. And then yeah. you've got the Jehovah's Witness, 144,000 people that are going to heaven. That's just not accurate. Like yeah. no part of that is accurate. And really the reality is, if you want to talk about predestination, God has predestined every single person that has ever lived mm-hmm. to have the opportunity to be with him in heaven. Yeah. If you want to talk about predestination that way, I'm good with that because yeah. God has. God sent his son to die Yeah. for all people, which means that we have all been predestined to have the opportunity to be yeah. with him in heaven. Yeah. Well, um, let's get back to once they've always saved. Um, I don't know how much you have left to comment on. I don't think we're going to have time to go through this whole article that we have we here. Not. Um, but I've got a couple of verses that I want to bring up because I gave my logical argument yep. um, and I want to give a scriptural argument as well. Yep. Um, so Hebrews chapter four. Um, I'm going to be in Hebrews in a second. Too. And to be honest, a lot of Hebrews 4, 5, 6, um, a lot of it is really good. Um, but I want to look at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 4. Um, um, well, and even into chapter 3, too. <laughs> uh, pause this right now and read chapter 3 on your own because you need to understand what happens in chapter 3 um, before chapter 4. Yeah. Um, all right, now that you've unpaused it, we're picking up in chapter 4, um, verses, verse 1 and continuing on through Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. He's talking about the Israelites all throughout chapter 3. The good news came to them. For good news came to us just as it came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we have believed... For we who have believed enter that rest. As he said, as I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Um, Although his words were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken um, of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. And um, and he continues on. I want to pick up in verse eight. For if Joshua had given them rest, the Israelites, as they were uh, wandering through the wilderness, trying to conquer the, the promised land. Uh, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on, talking about eternal rest in heaven. Yeah. Um, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That, that quote, Sabbath rest, eternal Uh, rest uh, in heaven for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his um, saying there is an eternal rest again, heaven. Um, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. We're still striving for it um, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience for the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two edged sword. This is the passage we mentioned before uh, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow 
and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And I apologize for the fast reading of this, but I'm just trying to... Uh, is that why you said morrow and not marrow? Yes. Um, that's, I'm just trying to make a point real quick, though. Yeah. That... Um, there's a, a compare and contrast to the Israelites. Mm-hmm. They are quote unquote saved from Egypt, yep. brought out of the land of Egypt. They are given the promised land, given this rest. Yep. Um, many of them failed to reach it. Everybody older than, what was it, 20 or 40, um, failed to reach it. 20. Uh, I think it was older than 20. Yeah. Yes. Um, cause they sent in spies to the land. The people were scared, said, nope, there's giants there. We can't take the land. And said, and so God said, all right, well, then you're not taking the land. Your kids are taking the land. Yep. And so they failed to enter the rest after they had been brought up out of Egypt. Yep. And the compare and contrast that the Hebrew writer is doing here is with Christians who have been saved. They've been baptized into Christ. And now you've got to make sure that, uh, as he says in, um, uh, in verse 11, therefore let us strive to enter that rest, that eternal rest, that heavenly rest with God, because it's not all done now. We, yeah. we still have a life to live. It's like what we said before. There's a reason that all of these letters were written to the churches in the first century, because there's still a job to do. You have to live faithfully to God. Yep. Um, and so the, uh, really for anybody that says, yeah, once you're saved, you're good. You're good to go. Uh, once saved, always saved. Then I'm like, oh, man, p- please stop saying that because you've got to live faithfully. You've yep. got a job in front of you. Um, and if you don't, then just as God said to everybody 20 years or older when they sent out the spies, except for Joshua and Caleb, yeah. um, everybody 20 years or older when they sent out the spies, they said we couldn't take it. God said, all right, you're not taking it. Yeah, that rest, you just lost it. Yeah. And that is so sad. Yeah. Well, and so I'm going to follow it up with just two chapters over in, in Hebrews 6. Yeah. Verse Starting in verse 4 here, we'll, we'll just read a couple. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come. So I want to stop right there because this kind of goes back to what we were talking about, right? Mm -hmm. The idea that once you have been saved, well, if you fall away, you just never really knew God. Yeah. Right? So I want to be very clear about what the Scripture is very clear about. Yeah. These people were saved. Yeah. They they have uh, been enlightened, tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. Yeah. Verse 6. Yeah. Verse 6. And then have fallen away. Yeah. It is impossible again, right? It is impossible, and this is where he says it, to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. These people, just as the Israelites, right, as that we just read about in chapter 4, right, were saved. Mm-hmm. They were saved. God had saved them. They had received it. They had accepted yeah. it. They were a part of it. And then they fell away. Yeah. And it's so important that we understand that it is possible to fall away. It is possible to no longer be a Christian, to mm-hmm. no longer be a follower of – because Christian, that's all it means, right, is a follower of Christ. It's a disciple of of Christ. It is someone who lives their life according to how Christ lived his. When you no longer are doing that, you are no longer saved because that is exactly what the scriptures tell us. Yeah. And I think it's very important that we understand that. Yeah. Well, and it's like what uh, Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and it's actually what is the beginning of chapter six here. It's a matter of maturing. It's yes. a matter of, of, um, of, 
continuing to live faithfully, but but even more than that, growing yeah. in your faith, growing closer to Christ. It says, chapter 6, verse 1, therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the uh, growing from being a a Christian on on milk, growing to solid food, you know, as, yeah. as humans go from a child, a baby drinking milk to solid food. Yeah. Um, it's that, that process of maturity, that yes. process of, of, it's not over, yeah. you know, it, it's not. It's never over until we are six feet under. Ex- or until Christ comes home. Or, that or I mean, Christ comes back. Yes. Or that one. So yes. he takes us home. Hopefully <laughs> that one's first. But, yeah. you know, we, I think, I think society has just, specifically American society, I, I can't say everywhere, but, you know, the prosperity gospel, the once saved, always saved, all these different types of teachings that are just not found in scripture that are not corroborated with scripture, right? The the website that we used had all sorts of scriptures to talk about it, but it's the whole counsel of God that we've got to use. Mm-hmm. It's everything. And when you neglect certain scriptures just because they neglect your viewpoint, yeah, I, I think that's, that's just not good. Yeah. So I want to um, use Colossians here real quick. This is the last place I'm turning. Okay. Um, but you really could use any of the uh, New Testament epistles, um, yeah. but I'm using Colossians here real quick because it, just the easiest way to make my point. Um, chapter one, verse two. Uh, I'll go first one. Chapter one, verse one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Two. Who is he writing this letter to? Saints and faithful brothers. The saints and faithful brothers of Colossae. In Christ. In Christ. Yeah. He he's not writing to people who he's trying to persuade to be Christians. He's writing to Christians. Yes. Jump down to chapter three. Okay. He's giving them instructions. Uh, chapter three, verse one. If then you have been raised with Christ, obviously they have. He's yep. writing to brothers and sisters in Christ. Yep. If then you've been raised um, with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died. He's The if is rhetorical. Yeah. Obviously you have. Yeah. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Are the things that we're doing, the seeking things that are above where Christ is, setting our minds on things that are above where Christ is, yeah. are we... Is that being caught? Is the spirit causing us to do that, or are we making the choice to do that? Yeah, because we've already had the discussion about free will. We are making the choice yes. to to do that. Um, um, so then, if we're saved, then why do we need to do that? Um, anyways, uh, picking up in verse four, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Check out verse five. He's right. Remember, he's writing to people who are brothers and sisters, already Christians. They are in Christ. Verse five, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. In other words, you still have work to do. Uh, Not that, not that Christ's sacrifice didn't completely cleanse you because it did. When, when you put on Christ in baptism, you are washed in the blood of Christ. You're completely made whole, but you don't get to give up because if you do give up, then these things will come back alive in your life. And so that's why you have to always be focus setting your mind on Christ so you can put to death anything that tries to creep anything worldly that tries to creep into your life and and that leads to a continual washing right when we uh, when we put on Christ right it mm-hmm. is it it oh my goodness how am I trying to phrase this put on Christ we are completely washed clean right yeah. and as you said those sins can come back in our lives right they yeah they so do you need in. to be baptized again no yes exactly so John, one seven. <clears throat> if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son 
cleanses us from all sin. That is yeah. a continual word there. It's it's constantly happening. Yeah. But that's only if we're walking in the light. Yeah. If we stop walking in the light, we just get dirty. Yeah. You go outside, right? After you after you get out of the shower, you go outside and you get active and do all that stuff. You get dirty. Yeah. And in order to get clean again, you got to take a shower again. Yeah. That's how it works. We cannot continue in sin and stay clean. Yeah. Just as you cannot play in mud and not get muddy. Yeah. It doesn't happen that. It's, it's, that's not how it works. Yeah. We have to continually walk in the light. And and like you said, right? Paul was writing to Christians. Yeah. And the, so this applies to us. The way that I like to describe it um, is um, it's like a child walking down the sidewalk with their dad. Mm-hmm. Are we as children in this scenario going to trip and fall and mess up? Of course we are. Yeah. What grace is, is God's hand reaching down yeah. to pick us back up. Yeah. Now we get the choice to take it. Are we going to take his hand and, and, and is he going to pull us back up or are we going to enjoy laying on the ground in the filth? Now, once he picks us back up, what does the dad do? He brushes off the knees and he said, let's keep walking, son. Yeah. And so that's the, the, the thought process. And I'm trying to put this into a, a, a just an analogy so people can wrap their minds around it. But that, yeah. that's the, that's the sense of what happens when you decide to walk with Christ. Yep. So I think we've uh, kind of exhausted this topic as much as we can. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to mention? No. I mean, I, I don't think we've exhausted the topic, but I think for the time being, we have covered it enough to, yeah. to merit being done. Um, but no, I, I enjoy talking about this because it, it's such a harmful teaching. Yeah. Well, I appreciate and, you talking about this with me because at T3 this year, this is my topic. Oh, nice. So, Look at that. Look so, at that. Uh, just as this is practice for you with our teens, this is practice for me with a bunch of teenagers at yeah. Louisville later in February. All right. So, well, which um, also, by the way, if you're listening, I'm going to put a little plug in for T3. Yeah. Um, not a sponsor. They didn't ask me to do this, but um, I grew up going to T3. It stands for Teach the um, Truth. Teach the Truth Commission. Um, it is an event over a weekend. I believe it's Valentine's weekend. If I remember correct. Yes. Um, but I grew up going to this from seventh grade on. Um, I've only missed one year and this is coming up on the 11th year that they're doing this. Yeah. Um, and it is, it's really awesome. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of, a lot of lessons. Uh, it's for teens, but that doesn't mean that adults can't come to because actually they're starting to have adult a classes. few adult classes. Yeah. yeah. So if you are, Anywhere in Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, really anywhere within driving distance of Dallas-Fort Worth. Or if you're in New York and want to fly, cool. Yeah, or if you want to fly. Um, it is an awesome event. Um, send us an email, uh, KCOC, Bible Conversations at gmail.com if you want more information. Um, or check out Lewis Church of Christ, uh, their Facebook page. Yep. They're right next to us here in Keller. So, And uh, I, I want to do one one more thing. If, if you know of somebody who is – struggling with the idea of once saved, always saved, or uh, has questions about it, and you aren't sure how to answer. And um, one, share share this podcast with them. But two, reach out to us. We are we are more than happy to talk about this, to answer any questions you may have. Um, just, just let us know. Mm-hmm. But um, Dylan, if there's anything yeah. else, I'm going to let you close it out, man. No, that's about all. Um, y'all know uh, contact information is uh, – recorded as a post roll on this. So stay tuned uh, and see how you can help us and, and contact us if you have any questions.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Bible Conversations. We want to encourage you to check out our proud partners, Ministry League. They have a website as well as an app that you can download from your smartphone. Yeah, not only that, but also be sure to send us an email. You can reach us at kcocbibleconversations at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you what your thoughts and comments are on today's episode. And if you have any questions or any comments, anything that you would like to let us know, please send us a text at the following number, 972-905-0856. Yeah, and that way we'll be able to uh, get that comment and and get back with y'all as well. And please leave reviews and comments. I know there's a lot of places that you listen to this podcast that you can leave comments and reviews. I know Apple Podcasts, I'm pretty sure iHeartRadio and others, you can uh, leave reviews and comments as well. And last, but most certainly not least, we ask that you share this with your friends. Uh, We do our best to provide... Uh, biblical and and, and strong uh, discussion and we hope that you can feel free to share that with everybody that you love and come in contact with thank you all so much for all of your support we love you